ancestors' diets were rich in the essential vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients needed for optimal health. But today, thanks to declining soil quality, a growing toxic burden, and other challenges in the modern world, most of us are not getting enough of these critical nutrients. That's why I created Adapt Naturals. It's a supplement line based on the principles of evolutionary biology and modern research that closes the nutrient gap so you can feel and perform your best. Unlike most supplements, which use cheap synthetic ingredients your body can't absorb, our products are made with clinician-grade, bioavailable ingredients that make a real and noticeable difference. We have a full range of products, from the most advanced multivitamin and phytonutrient formula on the market, to a blend of eight organic superfood mushrooms, including reishi, chaga, and lion's mane, to a highly absorbable liquid D3K2 dropper. Our newest product is BioAvail Omega Plus, a blend of ultra-pure fish oil and the most bioavailable forms of curcumin and black seed oil in a single two soft gel serving. Fish oil, curcumin, and black seed oil are renowned for their powerful health benefits. But until now, they've only been available in separate products, which means higher cost and a lot of pills. BioVail Omega Plus gives you a natural and effective way to improve joint and muscle health, boost exercise performance and recovery, elevate mood and mental clarity, and regulate immune function. Head over to adaptnaturals.com, that's A-D-A-P-T naturals.com, to learn more and start feeling and performing your best. Hey everybody, Chris Kresser here. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Health Radio. I've done a few shows in the past with dentists and periodontists exploring the connection between oral health and the structure of our jaw and face and nerves in that area and our overall health. I would say there's been a pretty dramatic shift in understanding in these fields over the past few decades where you know, when I was growing up, the dentist was just a place that you went to uh, you know, see if you had any cavities and get those cavities filled, maybe get a crown or something like that. Uh, we now know that the way our face develops um, from birth into adulthood uh, and even in utero, actually, the structure of our jaw and our dental palate affects everything from how we breathe to how we sleep uh, can be a major contributor to apnea and snoring, to uh, how we move, our physical posture, problems in, in the jaw and, and in the facial structure can cause pain throughout the body, cause digestive issues, can cause immune problems. And there's just so much to learn here. It's such a rich area for exploration. Um, and I've seen some pretty miraculous changes in, in overall health, sleep, you know, musculoskeletal issues, chronic pain, uh, et cetera, from people working with functional dentists or doing dental orthopedics. There are various names that are used for this kind of work. I've benefited tremendously uh, from this kind of work myself, uh, as have my wife and our daughter and many other family members and patients. So I'm really excited to welcome Dr. Paul Peterson as my guest today. He is a dentist that I encountered in Park City, Utah, where we were living at the time. And uh, I worked with him for a couple of years. My wife also worked with him and our daughter worked with him. And we all had pretty remarkable results. So I wanted to have uh, Paul come on and share a little bit about his approach and 
the way he looks at dentistry from a functional perspective. I think you'll really enjoy the show. Let's dive in. Dr. Paul Peterson, welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Chris. Happy to be here. So um, I, I'm, this, I'm so excited about this conversation. So much we can cover, and I'll probably have to be a couple more conversations after this one because um, there's no way we can cover everything in the time that we have. But bef before we jump in, uh, I'd love to just hear a little bit about your background. You know, you're trained as a dentist. Um, how did you get interested in what we might call non, you know, it's certainly not traditional dentistry that you're doing now. Um, so how did you get from, you know, dental school to where you are at this point? Yeah. Uh, so I did grow up in a dental family, so I don't really have a, a normal childhood in that regard. I, I joke with people that my, my perspective is, is different because, you know, I grew up hearing it talked about at the dinner table. And then when I was 16, my mom went to work for my dad and so all aspects of the, the, the practice of dentistry, the patients and the interactions was, was just something I grew up with. But I knew I wanted to go into medicine and healthcare. Um, I didn't know until I was older, um, until I was in college, that I didn't start considering dentistry to that point. Um, and I got in my dad's office and I saw the great relationships he had. And I really wanted that in whatever, whatever healthcare profession I went into. So in school, um, I was fortunate that I was able to do deal with a lot of complex cases more so than than most of my classmates. So I spent a lot of time in with the professors and the clinics that kind of specialized in implant reconstruction and you know instead of doing a crown here and a filling here I was doing you know multiple teeth at a time 10 12 20 teeth at a time and it and it kind of gave me a taste for that and following dental school I started a prosthodontic residency which would have been a 3 year program but I spent a year in that program and got a lot of great exposure and decided that entire three-year program wasn't where I wanted to go, but it did set the tone for my career uh, where I got out and I started practicing and I worked for an experienced dentist and I was, you know, learning and watching from him and I got involved with Invisalign very early and, and just found that even though I wasn't in school anymore, I had a hunger to continue to learn. Um, I don't think at that point I realized how much there was to learn and how little I knew. I probably didn't fully grasp that to a few years ago, uh, but it just gave me a hunger to, to, to learn. I, I enjoyed that part of it. I enjoyed looking at my patients and trying to get the root of the problem. And those observations throughout the early years of my career um, led me to ask more questions. And then I had patient experience and I had personal experiences and they led me to you know, do more than the simple continuing education. I started studying, you know, appliances just for snoring and kind of accidentally ended up in a wonderful course that was multiple days long and, and taught by a brilliant sleep tech. And she really got into the science of sleep and sleep studies and what's going on. And that was kind of accidental. Uh, but that was probably one turning point in my career when I started understanding that component as I did more and more complex restorative cases, then um, I wanted to understand how do people get in this condition? Why are the, why is one person one person's dentition more damaged to another uh, compared with another person's teeth? You know, why why is someone grinding their teeth so bad? And 
the, those answers are out there. They're not necessarily widely discussed or emphasized enough, in my opinion, or it wasn't in my education. So going down that road. Right. Got me where I am. Some doors, gets you curious, yeah. and you keep pursuing those interests. Yeah, there you go. Um, definitely can relate to that. Let's Let's actually use snoring and breathing and apnea as an entry point here because that's how you you know how I met you my wife was already working with you and and daughter actually and uh, we can perhaps revisit that later in the conversation Um, but I came to see you because after we moved from the Bay Area which is more or less at sea level to Park City which was 6,500 feet I noticed that I was snoring more which is you know not typical for me and and I did it you know we did it at home sleep tests and I was having some moderate sleep apnea which I'd never had before I'd had sleep studies before like in the lab and I'd never had apnea I had some transient low oxygen events which were sort of below the apnea threshold or what they would typically classify as apnea I think most people today when they are diagnosed with apnea or they hear about apnea, they don't make a connection immediately in their brain to their jaw. Yeah. And, you know, the common prescription, of course, is uh, a CPAP machine if it's, if it's you know, severe enough to, to warrant one. But many people struggle with those and don't enjoy wearing them for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, they're very cumbersome, difficult to travel with, et cetera. And certainly, like, I'd say there's some growing awareness that there are, like, you know, basic mandibular advancement devices or things you can do. Um, but, but in my practice, for example, very few patients even knew that that was an option until I brought it up. So talk a little bit about what's happening there for a lot of people who are experiencing apnea with their jaw and, you know, how their jaw can play a role uh, in causing the condition and how resolving those, that jaw alignment issue can help. Yeah, absolutely. And I I should probably start just by saying I have seen plenty of patients that get a CPAP machine and do great with it. Is it the lesser percentage? Absolutely. But in all fairness, there are some that get those and it it addresses their apnea. Um, I don't know if treatment is quite the right word. And hopefully that'll become clear as we talk about it. But, you know, they don't fail all of the time. But on the flip side, often they make improvements. One of the things that isn't discussed is where were you when you started with any treatment, whether it's whether it's uh, CPAP or some other alternative treatment, where were you when you started and where are you now and what does that mean? And those are discussions that I've found, I guess it was about 2010 when I first did that really good in-depth course. And I've been doing home sleeps tests ever since for my patients. And I and I found as through all those years of talking with patients that so often that discussion is never had with the patient from the provider, wherever they are. But the other thing to bring up now is that when we talk about, if we use the term functional dentistry, uh, as you, uh, for lack of it, well, almost encouraged me to, to use, and, and I've given that a lot of thought since our discussion when I saw you last in the office, and, and it really has made more and more sense to me terminology wise, and I think it's something that people relate to, but it's one component of that is understanding where these problems are coming from. And I, and I think one of the big gaps, whether we're talking about apnea, head, neck pain, jaw pain, or a whole host of other complications is the public awareness and the medical and dental awareness 
oh, the foundational issue just isn't there. And what is that issue? It's that the human head just is not growing the same. And thanks to books like Breath by James Nestor, there is more and more awareness. We have people come in almost monthly or multiple times a month sometimes that have read this book and then they're looking for a healthcare provider or a dentist that understands these concepts. But for tens of thousands of years, all of the skulls that are that are dug up and looked at by the anthropologists and the physiologists and the anatomists, they're they're very similar in how the upper jaw sits in relation to the, the cranial base or to the rest of the head. So if you just kind of think about your face that you look at in, in the mirror, how does that grow and develop from the time you're born? Uh, but that's changed because the without getting too deep into that discussion, that's changed because of the environment that we're in. So with that understanding, it changes your perspective on airway. If that upper jaw is growing differently, any if any bone in the head, all these different bones that are in the middle of the head, the jaw bones, the plates of the head, if one of them's out of position, everything else has to shift and adapt. What happens with breathing is if the upper jaw doesn't grow out and forward, it should go 80% out and about 20% down from the time you're born as an infant. Then if that happens, you have a big wide palate, you have room for your tongue to sit up and forward. Not only that, but the floor of your, na your nasal cavity your, is out, it's, it's wide, and you can breathe very easily through your nose, not just when you're sitting and talking, but all of the time, your soft palate isn't, it isn't a narrow space between where your soft palate hangs back in the uvula in the back of your mouth to the back of the throat. Your tongue moves forward. If the upper jaw is forward and out, then the lower jaw, the way it fits is out and forward also. And in this scenario, we don't need orthodontics. We have our teeth come in with plenty of room. There's no extractions. There's gaps between our teeth. Our wisdom teeth come in. And in many cases, there was room for a whole nother set of teeth. And this was even observed even after so much of the quote unquote civilized world was dealing with crowding teeth and all these and starting to have bad posture and all these problems. Well, when we found populations or study, you know, Native American populations, Amazonian populations, the Aborigines, they had these beautifully developed faces. They stood up straight. They had room for their teeth. Not only that, but there was due to diet and breathing, you know, they didn't have the decay issues that we have. The minute you start breathing through your mouth, you're decaying everything. So, and they weren't brushing their teeth or flossing three times a day either. <laughs> right. No fancy toothpaste, right? right? No super special yeah. floss or water picks or anything like that. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. I made the point that the jaw development is then proper jaw development is opening airway. Right. So what happens when let's say, let's say someone's snoring, what's happening there? Like what, when they're laying down, what's, what's going on that caused that problem? Good. And let me add real quick, one more thing in the nasal cavity. This is interesting because we see so many deviated septums and people think it's trauma. They're almost never outside the face. This deviations internally in the nasal cavity because the nasal cavity didn't develop fully. Then we have all these deviated septums and you're not breathing well. So snoring, what's happening. It could be multiple locations. Uh, it's not always the soft palate, the uvula. It's it's sometimes it's the tongue. Sometimes it's coming from the nose. So when you're treating it, you also need proper tools and diagnoses to identify the area where the flat, is it the nasal pharyngeal air, airways, the oral pharyngeal airway behind the tongue, is it down, is it lower? Are you having a, a, a collapse lower than the area of the tongue? So 
what's happening and what tools can help. Right. So like in my case, my airway was in, in my neck was plenty large. That was not the issue we had. The problem was that if I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, my the some of the tissue in in the entrance to the, you know the, around the entryway had become um, slack over time, which I guess happens with aging. So we did something. You you can explain that a little bit, but then also just the position of my lower jaw, like when I if I'm laying on my back was receding or was moving backwards and closing the entrance to the airway. So it didn't matter how large the airway itself was. If the yes. lower jaw is right. not staying forward and in place, then it closes the airway. And so we used a, a, a an appliance uh, nighttime, which I'm still wearing at night, which corrects that problem. So t talk a right. little bit about those, those different interventions, because that speaks to what you just said. It's not the same for some people. It might be the airway itself yeah. that is, is compromised. Whereas for me, that was a different issue. Yeah. And we can see large airways, but if you have trouble breathing through your nose or you never established the proper neuromuscular coordination to hold your tongue up on the roof of your mouth and your palate, maybe you just had really aller bad allergies as a kid. You don't have them anymore, but you got in the habit of breathing through your mouth. Well, you know, then the, the whole lower on your back, the whole lower jaw can fall back. When it falls back and the tongue goes with it, it can push on the soft palate. It can close the airway. When you have any sleep disorder breathing, the, the larger, the more severe the obstruction, the longer amount of time, the more wear and tear it can have on the tissues of the throat. But those tissues are very friable. They're, they're, they're mucosal tissue. They're thin. They're soft. They get inflammation easily. Uh, so if your airway is closing, think of a, a hose and you're tightening it to make the water go faster, right? Like out of the hose to squirt it. Well, when the airway is collapsing and you get that that more friction of the air and the closure, you get swelling, and it and then it it's a self feeding loop because uh, now you have more swelling and the airway closes more more you know with more ease, and uh, it continues to swell and and like you said with age, there's a natural you know breakdown in elasticity or collagen or elastin in the in the tissue. So um, there are we've seen amazing results. We um, since 2016, we were the first ones in the state to, to start using this technology. Um, and I'm happy to say there's a lot of people uh, using it throughout throughout Utah now. Um, but uh, we've seen really amazing results with the uh, night lace technology from Photon Laser. And it's, you know, it's a special wavelength of light that's um, fractionated and micropulsed. And it's used in multiple areas of, of medicine. It came from other areas of medicine. This company's in dermatology and gynecology, but they we can tighten tissue and we get surprisingly good results. So that's one tool. The mandibular advancement device is uh, an amazing tool. And when I first started learning about them, we already had 15 year studies on some of the early good appliances that are nowhere as quality as what you're using. And they said, for mild to moderate sleep apnea, you can get as good of or better result with a mandibular advancement device than a CPAP. With a lot less intrusion, you know, uh, for you and your, and whoever you're sleeping with. Yeah. Yeah. It, and then it comes to compliance, right? So it's easier to wear for the majority of people and your the consistency of wear, the uh, insurance guidelines to be successful, to keep paying for the CPAP machines are really lax with 
I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head. I've heard them before, but you know, how many days a week or how many hours of the night? Well, you put your CPAP on and you take it off four hours into the night. You have more severe events in the later hours of the night anyway. So, mm-hmm. and if you only wear it four nights a week for half the night and it qualifies for your insurance to keep paying for, but really how well are you taking care of that human being, right? Really how well are you, are you treating the sleep disorder, breathing and all the associated complications of it? The sad thing is that the mandibular advancement appliances didn't get more traction. And I believe, I have to guess the reason is for two reasons. There's a lot of inexpensive appliances out there that they may be working okay at first, but they're more cumbersome. They're not as comfortable. They break. If if something happens in two years, you got to remake one and no one wants to pay for it again. You don't have warranties on them. They're not well-made. But also it's about if you, again, it comes to understanding the foundational issue and identifying the problem. While it's true that the majority of people, if you move that jaw forward and you hold that tongue out of the way, it's going to help them. That's not everybody. I've had people that got answers nowhere and we put breathe right strips on them and their sleep totally changed. They didn't even have surgery with the ear, nose and throat doctor. You have to be able to look at everything. So I'm a huge believer in the comb beam CTs first, looking at the area and the problem. But but the other issue is in dentistry, there is not enough instruction, understanding on the joint. So we talked about the jaws don't come out in floor, but then the joint's the victim of that. If you just start randomly moving these teeth around, in other words, if you go to most general dentists and, you know, They may have been to some good courses on how to make these things, but quote unquote, good courses. They're not, there's not enough foundational understanding of what you're doing. What have you done to that jaw joint? What have you done to the muscles? So, so many people, even if they have a decent appliance, just the way that you move the jaw, the position you put it in, it hurts. So if you don't know where the patient is starting, you don't know how to assess it. You don't check it before you make an appliance. When we went through the process, we started with a CT. We knew where your joint was. We we analyzed the obstructions. We we formulated a plan based on that. We didn't just say, I'm not sleeping good, make an appliance because I don't want to wear a CPAP machine. And we did follow-up studies and we checked the position of your joint after before I even had it made. I took a bite registration instead of taking models of your teeth, not relating them in any way, sending it to a lab and saying, build me something that moves their jaw forward. Yeah. Which in simplicity is what's being done. So people aren't comfortable in these things. And it's unfortunate because they work really well if they're done well. I, and I can attest. Sorry for my long personally. rant on that. No, but that's it, fine. it really is a I... frustration of mine. And <laughs> it's not that I'm doing anything super difficult or magical. It's just that my career has led me to research these things and understand them. So now I can make something for you that you love and you can use. Yeah. You know, it's much more complete. It's analogous to the difference between functional medicine and conventional medicine, you know, where it's like, in the conventional approach is like, oh, do a blood test. Your cholesterol is high. Now we're going to give you a statin that's going to lower the cholesterol on the follow-up blood test. So problem solved. Well, not really, because why was the cholesterol high in the first place? Um, yes. You know, what's going on under the hood that's leading to that problem? And and if you do yeah. a little bit more digging up front, you you find maybe a way of addressing the problem at the root so that you're not using a drug to just suppress the symptoms. And, you know, with, right. 
with the CPAP machine, okay, the pro what's the problem? The problem's low oxygen. So you give oxygen. <laughs> okay, well that, you know, that makes some sense in a way, but it, you you're not answering the question why is the oxygen low in the first place? And so right. what you're, you know, what you're doing is analogous there where the the first step is diagnosing the problem. So yeah. like you, you have 3D where is the obstruction? Where is the obstruction? Where, so and the for right those that aren't familiar with the terminology, the 3D cone beam scan is is just a, a much more comprehensive way of imaging the structures in the head and the neck. And it's a 3D X-ray that doesn't have the high radiation that you'd get at exactly. hospitals. Yeah, and so and I've I had this in the Bay Area. You know when I when I was having some issues with sleeping. I did some my research and I, you know, I, I can just look in the mirror and see my jaw is narrow. I'm, I'm a yeah. classic industrial Western civilization sure. face versus, you know, if you read Weston, Weston A. Price, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, like you referred to earlier, you see the comparisons of people living in the industrialized world with very narrow uh, jaw, narrow dental arch, jaw, lower part of their jaw is further back than it should be, all the classic signs. And so I suspected that my jaw misalignment, you know, malocclusion was contributing to, to my problems. And I went to a dentist and who was just listed as someone, you know, I, I, I think I went to the mandibular advancement device website and then they had like a directory of dentists that were using it and i went there and it was exactly what you described you know they took mold of the teeth they made an appliance that was based on that it was super uncomfortable uh it was bulky it it locked my jaw in what felt like you know it did it did the job in the sense that it mechanically moved my lower teeth forward but it was not something that was sustainable somebody forgot and, to consider that these teeth and this model of your mouth is connected to a human being the rest of the body you can't you can't exactly. just put it into some at exactly. random position yeah exactly yeah and so and and then so working with you we had the you know the the better much more sophisticated appliance that you know there was a night or two of discomfort just getting used to sure. it but that quickly passed and now i sleep with my mouth taped shut with the appliance in and I wake up with the tape still there. So I, I'm 100% sure I'm not breathing through my mouth at night. I'm breathing through my nose the entire night and I feel more refreshed and uh, rested and you know don't wake up with headaches or anything that was happening with the apnea before. So it's a pretty big difference. And, and with the night lays, that's, that, that helped a lot, but it also, as you suggested it might, helped even with like my bo2 max and oxygen availability when i'm exercising you know i was living at 6500 feet and often exercising at nine or ten thousand feet so the ability to get oxygen <laughs> when you're tough, breathing man. through your it's... nose is yeah it's tough and it's important right because yeah. there's a lot less of it and i yeah. would notice you know from i'd also read james nestor's book and he talks about some training that he was doing where, you know, just trying to breathe exclusively through your nose, even when you're doing pretty rigorous act cardiovascular, you know, type of activity. And so I would be like riding my bike up the Armstrong Loop, you know, Ham Armstrong Loop in, in Park City and just trying, you know, keep 
with tape on my mouth, um, trying to breathe exclusively through my nose. And I was able, you know, not immediately, it took a while to build up to it, but I was able to do that. And I, I think the night lays helped because it created more um, space, you know, more more ability to breathe because those tissues pulled together and tightened instead of being sort of slack and obstructing the airway. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm so excited to tell you about a new product we just launched at Adapt Naturals. Fish oil, curcumin, and black seed oil are renowned for their powerful health benefits. But until now, they've only been available in separate products, which means higher cost and a lot of pills. What's more, many fish oils on the market are rancid or contain toxins like heavy metals and PCBs. And curcumin and black seed oil are not well absorbed unless special preparations are used. BioVail Omega Plus combines the purest and freshest fish oil with the most bioavailable forms of curcumin and black seed oil, so you get the incredible benefits of these nutrients in a single, two-soft gel serving. Those benefits include supporting joint and muscle health, you can boost your performance and recovery, and feel more youthful and vital. Improving cognitive function and mood, sharpen your focus and memory and recover that spring in your step. Promoting metabolic and heart health, which helps maintain normal weight, blood sugar, and cholesterol levels. And regulating immune function, which reduces immune hyperactivity and strengthens protection against viruses and other pathogens. This is an incredible product for anyone who needs extra support with inflammation, pain, joint issues, autoimmunity, cognitive function and mood, and metabolic and heart health. Visit adaptnaturals.com, that's A-D-A-P-T-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com to place your order and experience the incredibly powerful benefits of fish oil, curcumin, and black seed oil in BioVail Omega Plus. If you've listened to this show for a while, you know that I'm a super active guy. Depending on the time of year, I'm either skiing, mountain biking, hiking, backpacking, surfing, or lifting weights on most days of the week. I also live in a really dry climate at high elevation. For these reasons, I pay a lot of attention to hydration. I've learned the hard way what happens when I get dehydrated, and I know how important hydration is to overall health. But hydration isn't just about drinking water. It's about water plus electrolytes. This is where Element comes in. It's a combination of electrolytes like sodium, potassium, and magnesium in easy-to-use individual packets that you just add right to your water bottle. And unlike most electrolyte products on the market, Element is free of sugar and artificial junk. I drink Element every day and it's made a huge difference in how I feel. Even with my training and profession, I don't think I realized how often I was dehydrated before I made Element part of my daily routine. If you'd like to try it, the folks at Element have an exclusive offer for my podcast listeners. You can get a free sample pack with one of each of the eight flavors Element sells when you purchase any Element product. This is perfect for anyone who wants to try all of the flavors or who wants to introduce a friend to Element. Just go to cresser.co slash Element, that's L-M-N-T, to place an order and take advantage of this offer. Let's shift gears and talk about TMJ because this is like a whole nother window into how a lot of issues that we've already been talking about, like a, a kind of maybe short-sighted or narrow view that the, the conventional medicine or dentistry look takes a TMJ and then, you know, what a more kind of holistic oh. way of looking at this is. And I know, I mean, this is a huge issue. So many people suffer from yeah. this. And, and I mean, this issue was the route hole that changed my career and my life. Right. 
you know, in, in dental school, I remember being in the clinic and going to get my instruments. And there was a lady working there that apparently we had a, a specialist in, in the dental school. No one ever saw him. We didn't get any lectures from him, but he saw people there. And so we saw this lady that we talked to almost every day when we were in the clinic seeing patients as students. And, and she all the, one day she had this crazy bunch of acrylic in her mouth, right? And everyone's asking, hey, what is that? What's going on? You know, tell me about it. Who is this? Who is this doctor that's treating you that happens to be here at the dental school that's never lectured to us? You talk about our traditional view, and I don't know if there ever has been a good one. One one of the really sad realities of dentistry is in modern dentistry, I don't even know how many. I, there's been six or ten different definitions of how the joint should sit in the fossa. What is that? In so the temporal bone is the the bone on the side of your head that. The bottom of it forms the roof of the joint. And, and dentistry has always been very mechanically minded about where should it sit? Should it sit up and forward? Should it sit up and back? So there's been all these techniques over there where you, you, you grab the jaw and you try to force it into a position if you think there's a problem or you're doing something. You're, you're, you're manhandling it into some position based on some definition. Well, the dental school that you went to, you know, on one side of San Francisco is, is teaching it different than the one on the other side of San Francisco. And so historically, it's 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 been a, hasn't been well taught to anybody. And then there's been surgical inter interventions that sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Nothing's been really great. And again, you're missing the point. Like I said in the beginning, if you if you understand the foundational cause, you look at it differently. If you understand that it's clear as day that they all all the anatomists and the anthropologists and they agree the, the face isn't growing the same. And if you understand that, and if you understand the upper jaw is in a different position, and now the lower jaw has to adapt, the, the trouble with the TM joint is it's bilateral and the lower jaw is victim to where the upper jaw ends up, which is a victim of the industrialized world, you know? And, and so the, the lower jaw gets moved back, it changes position, the joint gets compressed and the disc, the disc gets kicked out. I mean, I guess a traditional definition is, is the disc is, is popping and clicking. That's a dislocating disc. And people don't even think about it like that. And, and dentistry's never talked about functional space. You know, you talk to an orthopedist, you talk to a physical therapist, they understand joints need functional room. And, but if you have a corrupted skeletal development, then the musculature is going to be off and this joint gets really victimized because your, your teeth still have to fit together and the muscles still contract. And there's just this huge cascade of symptoms that, that result to it. Lots of inner ear issues, lots of head and neck pain, you know, trigeminal is uh, nerve is in this hyper aroused state all the time. But then if it's affecting your airway too, then it's affecting your, not just through pain in the area of the, the joint or the head and neck and the face, let alone the neck, because now you have forward head posture from your bad jaw position. But if you're not sleeping right, well, what now you have disrupted sleep, you may have apnea and now you're at risk for heart attack and stroke. You, you may just have upper airway resistance syndrome, which is hugely overlooked, which is just on that spectrum of sleep disorder breathing. And so you'll go get a sleep test and they say you're normal because you don't have this high apnea number, or they call it mild, which is crazy, but you have lots of disruptions and you feel crummy. Well, if you're disrupted in your sleep all the time and you're in fight or flight all night long, you know, the, the, the other functions hormone and metabolic functions of your body are thrown off. And now you're going to be even more sensitive to pain. So you, you can't, there can't be a disconnect between them. They're both so interrelated. 
And the numbers that I've been taught are, you know, around 80, 85% of people that have, you know, TMD have sleep disordered breathing or vice versa. So why? Well, we've said it multiple times because it's the same cause the majority of the time. It's the same reason. Someone's morbidly obese, you might have a perfectly fine joint. But that's also a big no misnomer, not to circle back around to sleep. But I see large airways on, on thin people. I see tiny airways on, on thin people. You can't tell from the outside what it's like on the inside. Mm -hmm. We talked about the how nutrition and other influences in the modern world are leading to differences in facial and jaw development and how that relates to breathing and apnea. Yeah, I assume that's a similar pattern with TMJ and some of the joint issues. And yeah, it's exactly the same. And one complicates the other. Exactly. In the case of my wife, she didn't have TMJ, but she had pretty intractable pain in her neck and upper back that she had for 25 years. And she's a Feldenkrais practitioner and a somatic awareness practitioner and has a, a very woman. developed, refined body awareness. So it's, yeah. it certainly was not from lack of trying to resolve and unwind um, those patterns. And the, the thing that eventually made the difference to the point where, you know, she could be without pain in those parts of her body was fixing her jaw, you know, was redoing the work with you. I mean, she started with a few, a couple of other dentists who gave who were helpful in some ways, but were not able to bring it across the finish line. I guess I would say like they, I think there was some awareness there for sure of how the jaw was contributing right. and where the jaw needed to be for her to not have pain. That was actually her initial, her first experience of not having pain was after her jaw was adjusted, but they, they were not able to keep it in the right place and, and without the appliance, you know, being there anymore and right. so you know what what's happening there where like just the the alignment of the jaw can cause wide such severe and widespread pain in in other areas of the body yeah and i and this is um there is no one answer for one patient and this is why you need thorough diagnostics and, and comprehensive evaluation and you need a team and, and that's why you know i is as far as I've come in the last decade, I, I still feel like there's always more to learn. You know, there's people that have been working with patients longer than I have. And they, you know, I, I go to meetings and I learn from them, but why is there so much pain? The, or how many, how many problems? Well, there's a lot of energy expended when your body's not in alignment. Yeah. You know, I mean, is, is one way to look at it there. There's certainly um, pain can come right from the joint. If it's at, maybe there's not popping and clicking, but if the joint's not sitting properly, there are nerves and blood vessels in there that can be compressed. There's tendons that connect to the inner ear that can cause problems. The breathing and the, um, the dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system as a result of that is so interrelated. But there's, there's a, uh, the trigeminal nerve going to all the structures of, of, uh, functional structures of the face also is just this super highway and just like chronic pain anywhere else the the sensitivity can be after long periods of chronic pain can get it can become extra sensitive and you know some of the techniques are are some of the results that people get are are based on uh, normalizing the, the muscle position 
and and downregulating the the neural activity. And and one of the really useful tools that I don't think is wide enough known is uh, sphenopalatine nerve block. I'd have to go back and see if we utilize that with the lamb, but it is really beneficial. Um, I've had you know, teenager, I, my youngest was 13 years old. This particle came in and she started having horrible migraines. And we, we did, we just, you run, you got to know where to put it, of course, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's simple. 2% lidocaine. You, you put it in the right place, run it into the, the nasal sinus. You hit this nerve bundle. That's not far separated from the trigeminal ganglion. And, and you can calm down that the, you know, the hypersensitivity that, that that's happened in, in that nerve pathway, just like nerve blocks are used in pain anywhere in the body. Super, super useful, super easy to do, not expensive. Um, I've had people that have suffered from migraines for years and years and years. So it really is, it's a complex answer because every patient is different. And every, some patients, you're able to get better really quickly. Some take more time. There's not just muscle, but the fascia that's included, the improper breathing is a big player in this and how sensitive people are to pain. And so, you know, one of, one of the things that we've, we've added to our repertoire is I have a, a physical therapist that works for me and he, he works with preparing people for me to do, uh, you know, oral tether releases like tongue ties and lip ties. Some people have had really big re, uh, relief by just addressing a, a, a tongue tie and how that's interconnected to the hyoid bone and all those structures. But it, the point I'm getting at is, is the fascia. So we do the same thing with dry needling. We can get into muscles and, and help with the fascia. And I have a soft tissue specialist that comes in and works on that too. So it's not just my dental tools. It's not just what I'm doing. I've tried to bring in a team to help these patients find the things that are most relevant and most and most helpful. And, and, and so now it's nice not to have two tools in your toolbox. It's nice to have half a dozen. Right. And I hope in two years I'll have, you know, I'll have half a dozen, you know, it's nice to have a dozen or two. And then I hope I have a half a dozen more. Yeah. Yeah. No, did I get to your, did I get to your you question? Did, yeah. Chris? It's just, it's, it's, okay. I mean, I think what, what's, what's challenging. Just not a simple answer. Exactly. That's what's challenging in general about this is, is if you, you know, functional medicine has come a long way since the early 90s. I feel like function, let's just use, for, for lack of a better term, functional dentistry is kind of at the stage that functional medicine was 20 years ago, where there's, there's, there's less awareness, but it's growing and I think growing quickly. Yeah. There's no established residency or board certification yeah. for, for this. There's, yeah. there's, not even really any form, as far as I can tell, there's not any, really even any formal training programs. Um, I mean, they're like, that are like start beginning, middle, end, you know, go through this whole thing and you'll get this whole curriculum and program. It sounds like you've done more of like the Mr. Miyagi style kind of apprenticeship, um, you know, finding people that teach some part of it that you really respect and learning from them and then going on learning a different piece from someone else. And I think that's, I mean, that's fantastic. You've been able to put that together. And I think what will, my, my sense is what will, it's also what makes it frustrating for patients and frustrating for dentists who want to get more training <laughs> like this, you know, it's because if someone writes it, here's this show and they're like, awesome, I want to do this kind of yeah, I want to work with somebody like this. There's no directory that you or I can send them to that has a list yeah. of people that are combining all of these things in the way that you are. Uh, and, you know, of course, I'm very familiar with this problem. That's why I started 
my adapt practitioner training program in 2016. Yeah. But it is, you know, it's almost we talked we chatted about this before we decided to do the podcast. I'm almost reluctant to do podcasts like this just because I know people are going to hear it. They're going to get excited. They're going to want to be able to, you know, access this kind of care, which of course is perfectly <laughs> logical and understandable. I was there myself and it's, you know, if they're if they're near you, or can travel to you, I would and, and can afford to do that. I would highly recommend that. So I'll, I'll in a second here let you give you know give your information, but for many people that's not going to be possible or feasible. And so you know that that's something yeah. you can do anything about personally today, <laughs> uh, or I can. But you right. know I I just I do take some solace in the in the fact that you know this is really different field even five you know five years than it was five years ago and i was kind of surveying this landscape it seems like there is yeah there are changes You're happening right there, there there's that. a lot more going on now yeah it, it, there's there's more collaboration of groups yeah the aomt uh which is a myofunctional therapy group they're doing brilliant work and great education and lots of multidisciplinary collaboration that the Breathe Institute is doing great things. There's more and more, you know, appliances that are based around addressing these issues that are, you know, dental in nature for, you know, expansion of one form or another. It, it's growing and there's a growing understanding. And historically, the problem has been a lack of that, a lack of training, a lack of knowing, um, you know, as, as things like this develop, we're in this period where I feel like there's, there's people that are you know, focusing on one thing or another. And I'm, I'm sure they know many things that, that I have yet to learn, but when I listen to them speak and I participate in their trainings, I see gaps in their understanding based on my experience. And so we still have a long ways to go, but I agree with you. I think your observation is accurate. It's, it's much different than it was five years ago. And so it is promising that in, in five more years, it'll be much better, but it, it's challenging what you said about how much it takes to kind of to get this understanding and study it's very true and it it self-limits because there isn't a residency for this and i feel like based on what you learn in, in dental school or in a specialty you don't understand uh at least at the time that i went through it's been a it's been a minute <laughs> to be honest it's been almost 20 years but you know there you, you didn't understand the, the importance of it you didn't understand the significance and the how profound uh, the problem is and how much people are suffering. So there's probably some change there, but it really, if you're going to treat and treat well, I mean, there was a point that I was a few years into this and I had to make a decision. Am I going to continue to spend, you know, to forego family vacations and spend, you know, so much money educating myself and time away from, from family and work to continue doing this? Because that's, you know, I had to get a couple of years in to realize how much there was to learn. And that's only grown because, which is good, there's more interdisciplinary, multiple groups sharing information, but it's it's really hard to, as much as I try, you know, if you're a full-time clinician, it's hard to keep up with it all. It's a challenge. Absolutely. Well, thanks for your contribution. It's it's I really appreciate your multidisciplinary approach, and the, that's definitely my orientation and what I think is often necessary, especially in complex chronic cases. So, where can people find out more about your practice and your work, um, especially if they're local or uh, want to come travel to see you? Yeah, like you said, we're in Park City, Utah. Our website is advancedcosmeticdentistry.com. 
and you can look up Dr. Paul Peterson and you will find that we're launching here in the next couple of weeks, a new site that hopefully does a, a clearer job of, of getting this message forward. Um, but for now, the URL will probably be the same. But by the time this comes out, it'll probably be past that. So yeah, um, yeah, it should be great. Up and working. So that'll be good. And they'll even be able to see uh, Alan on there and some of her her, <laughs> awesome. her changes. Yeah, she's yeah. been kind enough to say you can yeah. use my before and afters. And it, it really speaks to what can be accomplished. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Dr. Peterson. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for what you do. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Keep sending your questions to chriscresser.com slash podcast question. We'll see you next time. That's the end of this episode of Revolution Health Radio. If you appreciate the show and want to help me create a healthier and happier world, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. They really do make a difference. If you'd like to ask a question for me to answer on a future episode, you can do that at chriscresser.com slash podcast question. You can also leave a suggestion for someone you'd like me to interview there. If you're on social media, you can follow me at twitter.com slash chriscresser or facebook.com slash chriscresserlac. I post a lot of articles and research that I do throughout the week there that never makes it to the blog or podcast, so it's a great way to stay abreast of the latest developments. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.